This is the 20 Minutes to Clarity podcast with Jason Noble. Advisory services offered through Prime Capital Investment Advisors, LLC, PCIA, a federally registered investment advisor, Overland Park, Kansas. The following or preceding commentaries and responses are the opinions of Jason Noble and his guests and are not necessarily the opinions of PCIA and are for informational and educational purposes only and are not and should not be considered investment advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. No guarantees expressed or implied. Welcome to the 20 Minutes to Clarity podcast with Jason Noble, featuring down-to-earth interviews with people like the professional athletes we work with, the closet millionaires, the enterprising entrepreneurs, and others we have the pleasure of calling clients and business partners. Each podcast focuses on candid one-on-one conversations with incredible people who share their journey to success, including the mistakes they've made along the way, the hard work it took to grow their net worth, and relatable elements of their life stories that you won't hear anywhere else. Now... Here's Jason. Welcome to 20 Minutes of Clarity. I'm your host, Jason Noble. And with me today, I have Matt Beatty. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. We're looking forward to our conversation. Jason, I appreciate your time and looking forward to the conversation as well. Uh, Please share with us your background, your experience, and what led you to doing what you're doing now. Yeah, most of my career has been in athletic administration. Uh, I became passionate about that as a former student athlete at the University of Kansas, played baseball. Uh, and had a successful college career and decided, you know, uh, I wanted to be an athletic director someday. And I started down that route and uh, did an internship at the Big 12 Conference and fell in love with administration side and went back to KU and, and helped out on the marketing. I was a marketing coordinator for basketball, football, and baseball and had an opportunity to jump in and be a fundraiser at, the, at Wichita State University uh, for the athletic department there. And had a little stint where I jumped out of the space a little bit, uh, but ultimately landed on my feet again back in uh, the University of Kansas, where I led the fundraising efforts there. And, and through that, now we're uh, now we're uh, been four years removed from there, but two years into the new world of NIL, name, image, likeness. Name, image, and likeness. This is a, a budding thing, and there's so much that I feel like there's not enough information out there about. Can you share with us a little bit more about like your experience with NIL and how that is uh, really impacting these these athletes? Yeah, certainly. I mean, we've uh, you know we've been at this for about eighteen months um, from word go. July of twenty one, uh, Supreme Court came out with a case and said a ruling that said student athletes can now be paid for their name, image, and likeness and. And unlike the normal NC2A, which likes to control things uh, historically, uh, they decided that they're just going to throw up on everybody and just just let everybody fend for themselves. And so every state uh, was battling with what do we come up with NC2A rule or do we come up with uh, legislation that's going to govern NIL uh, nobody wanted to touch that with the 10-foot pole. The NC2A scared to death of a lawsuit, so they didn't want to touch it with the 10-foot pole. Um, and so, you know, here you go. 18 months ago, we start uh, putting together basically agencies around the country. Every school has one to two, sometimes three or four agencies that represent their student-athletes. And and uh, and here, here comes out, you know, NIL. And it was... A lot of people call it the wild, wild west. Um, I read something today where it's not the wild, wild west anymore. It's the west. It's the normal. And um, 
And so there's just a lot of lack of knowledge, lack of uh, communication on on this topic, just in the fact of for, you know, for 60 years, uh, your listeners have been told that it is taboo. It's against NCAA rules to pay student athletes for their name, image, likeness, or to take them to dinner or do those type of things. And then now all of a sudden, uh, a student athlete can be paid for their name, image, likeness. And so it's, it's literally uh, did a, a complete 180 in a matter of 18 months. Well, beyond the obvious, but what, what is the player impact of NIL, would you say? Any, any stories or anything that you saw that is beyond maybe just what I consider obvious? And what I'm saying by obvious is now they're getting paid, right? right? There's other things that are involved in the NIL that I think even I'm unaware of. Yeah, I mean everybody. Everybody's heard the stories of the student athletes that are making pretty good coin right now in in marketing agreements. What we do with the student athlete is, you know, there has to be quid pro quo in NIL. So for a student athlete to get paid, they have to do X, Y, Z, and so we put together their monthly uh, stipend contracts where if they uh, do X, Y, and Z, uh, they'll get paid a guaranteed amount. Um, so that's what most NIL programs are doing around the country. But then there's some unique stuff, which is the fun stuff. This is what I'm passionate about is, you know, the things that, you know, we've had a in the past of a student athlete that, you know, in the in the past has lost a family member in a in a uh, gang related uh, activities and uh, had another brother that was kind of walking down that similar path and had a had a probably an outcome that was going to be very similar to that other brother. And uh, we utilized NIL to get their his brother out of uh, the town, their hometown, and moved him to uh, moved him to Lawrence, um, where we could leverage NIL to get a hotel room for a couple months, get a rental for a couple months, uh, to get him out of harm's way, and try to get him some counseling, try to do some things like that. So um, that is kind of the the fun stuff. Uh, the life-changing stuff. Yeah, money can be life-changing for a lot of these kids, but this is actually saves lives, getting kids out of uh, trouble and into a better situation. Man, that's just, that, that's what I'm looking for, right? Because I never would have thought something like that with NIL, but you bring such an interesting perspective, and that's why we wanted to have you on today's show. And what about opportunities for donors? Anything there that we should know about? Yeah, the unique side of NIL is in, in most NIL programs are moving towards this is you have a for-profit, which is your, uh, for us, it's Mass Street Collective uh, for the University of Kansas, for Wichita State is Armchair Strategies. And those are our for, for-profit, uh, 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 you know, entities that, that have the contracts with the student athletes. So, in in layman's terms, we're basically an agent for the student athletes, a marketing agent for the student athletes with the for profit. And then what's unique is we are one of the very first that have launched not only our for profit, but a nonprofit. You know, as a former student athlete, there was a lot of things that I wanted to do in the community uh, in the 501c sector, uh, whether giving back to the Humane Society or giving back to Boys and Girls Club, those type of things where you really just with our schedule, we really didn't have a lot of time to be able to do that. And so we've taken the NIL program and really put community uh, community involvement, community giving back 
uh, at the forefront of their NIL. So again, a student athlete has to do quid pro quo. And so for them, we'll go raise dollars through our annual, through our uh, nonprofit. And we'll work with those donors that are giving to the nonprofit. Say you want to give to the uh, Lawrence Humane Society or the uh, uh, Sedgwick County Humane Society. Um, and that's a, a, a fund that you support, an organization that you supported over the years. Now we can take marketable student athletes, take the same dollars that you're donating and uh, market in a different way with student athletes. You know, Jalen Wilson at the at the University of Kansas, when he promotes something, these nonprofits in the past haven't had that marketing budget where they can go get a premier student athlete to push their initiatives and programs and things like that. So we can leverage NIL for Jalen to have passion about the Lawrence Humane Society and a donor, and we can mix those together. And now we can support the Lawrence Humane Society with, with a student athlete promoting uh, their programs. And so that's how we've kind of leveraged NIL and it's really taken off and, and around the country, more, more and more collectives are starting to adopt that nonprofit approach. So this is, this is something that's near and dear to my heart. We do a lot of community involvement here in Charleston, South Carolina, but as a firm, uh, just as a firm, uh, we believe in being a community-based advisor. So it's awesome to hear these athletes and these students athletes are looking at using NIL to also be involved in their local communities mm -hmm. and charities that are near and dear to their heart. And then when it comes to like your experience with like, just share with us more about like your, your, your experience around fundraising from KU to even private deals. Well, you know, at the end of the day, people give to people. I've always said that, whether I'm in banking, whether I'm in uh, uh, fundraising, but people give to people. And, you know, so I call upon my network of individuals. I was fortunate to be the lead fundraiser at uh, Wichita State, the lead fundraiser at the University of Kansas. So the network of those two donor bases is pretty massive, as you can realize. And then I was the business development director for Equity Bank here in town for my little uh, three-year stint that I was out of college athletics. And so I built a very wide net of, of relationships. And so these are relationships that I'm calling on. And, and for the very first time, donors um, can have a, a say in the type of program they want in, in sports. And so yeah, there's restrictions of what we can and cannot do. We can't promise recruits money. We can't do those type of things. But we can talk about what uh, uh, we can talk uh, past tense. And so if a student athlete was making, say, $300,000 a year or $100,000 a year, they talk to the new recruit that's coming in. Hey, what did you do in NIL? Well, I made $250,000. Okay, well, that's eye-opening. Oh, and... Uh, you know, we got involved with area 501c3s and we, you know, gave back to the community. We have many of our, our uh, basketball players at the University of Kansas have not only as we're writing them a check, they've turned around and wrote a check back to the charity and didn't take any money um, just just to give back. And so, um, you know, there's just so much opportunity in this space and and uh, to get involved and and uh, we love community partners like what you guys are doing, Jason. And we love to bridge that relationship and how we can be partners together and leverage these student athletes um, that have marketability, that have namesake and and be able to help help the community out. 
You know, so you know your your story to me is is so unique and fascinating. So you played collegiate baseball at KU, right? Um, so let's let's hear a little bit more about your baseball, right? And then how did that go into being a lead fundraiser for Wichita State and KU, right? Yeah. That's a pretty remarkable story. And there's something there that I want to capture. Yeah, you know, I you know for me, it's baseball was a passion of mine. I still own a baseball academy. Uh, I have over 40 baseball teams in my baseball academy. It's about giving back to a sport that's been so great to me. I learned so much of my life lessons through the game of baseball, how to handle failure, how to handle success. Uh, you know, it's the only sport, as people say, that you can hit you can hit uh, uh, 300 and be a Hall of Famer. That means I'm getting out 70 percent of the time. Uh, I get fired at my job if I'm not if I'm only successful 30 percent of the time. So baseball is crazy. It's a mental uh, you know, it's a game of, uh, you have to have strong mentality. And so, you know, I was a leader there, a verbal leader. I showed, uh, by example as well. And, and so naturally a leadership position was a, a good fit for me. I had an opportunity to go play professional baseball. I lacerated my spleen and my kidney in a collision my senior year and tore my ACL. And at that point I decided, you know what, I, uh, I have the love of my life and my, and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. Um, I'm ready to start life. And, you know, before we were talking about one of your buddies that, that played 12 years in minor league baseball, and that's impressive, but that's a heck of a lifestyle to be living for 12 years. And, and I just didn't want that. I wanted to start my life and, 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 uh, baseball was, uh, uh, the boys game that I will always love and always be passionate about, but, you know, I wanted to give back. Um, I've always said I wanted to provide opportunities to student athletes that I didn't have, you know, so my goal as a fundraiser was, you know, if, if I had a, you know, a, a decent practice facility, I wanted them to have a better practice facility. So I would go fundraise for those opportunities. And so it's no different now with NIL, but, um, I'm just trying to provide opportunities for these student athletes that I was either fortunate enough to take part in or wasn't fortunate enough, but no, that's the, the direction that that athletics is going. And so, you know, going from um, college athletics to to working in college athletics is 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 a pretty normal, uh, you know, step up. And then I was just fortunate to have mentors in my life, uh, mentors that I could call upon, friends that I could call upon and 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 opened up opportunities you know i've always said and everybody always says it's all about who you know not what you know and so i've i've made a living off of building a network that i can call upon my friends and and network and ask for a favor or ask for advice and those type of things so but you in the beginning you were talking about leadership and taking that leadership into your career mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you see from just really good leaders and that you have yourself that you want to share with us, uh, you know, because people are listening to this, they're they're leading something, yeah. either their family or yeah. a business or their community. They're leading in something. What can they take away from what you've learned? Well, you know, I, there's several things that come to mind. Um, communication is key, right? Is is communicating, you know, through problems, through successes, celebrating success. Um, and, you know, critiquing yourself, critiquing your group that you're with, uh, I think that is important. Um, you know, and, and what I've always said is, is you got to attack the problems, right? Those problems that start off as a, 
as a little rock turn into a big old stone if you don't address them. If you just keep putting it off, keep putting it off, keep putting it off. There's a lot of things. People make fun of me all the time. I like dealing with people uh, that are upset. In customer service, I run a multi-sport facility here in Wichita as well. I love dealing with issues because in issues, I think there's opportunity. Um, I like when the birthday party mom is very upset about something. I I prefer them not to be upset, but when they are, I like to address them uh, because I I believe we can get to a conclusion that everybody's going to be happy and we can be, and it's rewarding. So, you know, to me, it's about, you know, confronting problems, addressing them head on, communication, um, and being able to look in the mirror and and reflect and, and make changes. Uh, my dad always said, uh, make quick decisions. And I've lived by that. Uh, he said, make decisions and make it right. And he used to say that all the time to me, make a decision, make it right. And oftentimes it was when, uh, when, you know, my mom's trying to figure out where we're going to go eat my mom and sister, you know, dealing with women and, and trying to figure out where we're going to go eat, uh, jokingly, but, uh, but he always said, make a decision and make it right. And I'm, I, I've learned that over the years is the sooner I can make a decision, the sooner I can I can make an adjustment to that decision if it's wrong. I, I've been with administrators before in my life that took forever to make decisions, would take forever. And then it would be the wrong decision. And we were already down that path of timeline that we couldn't go back. And so to me, it's like I go with my gut a lot, make quick decisions. Um, and I'm also a firm believer in in how I manage the staff. Um, I tell my staff all the time when we have our staff meetings, when that door is closed, we're all on the same level. We get to have it out. If you need to say something that's not appropriate to me, here's the moment you get to do it. Uh, if you disagree with me on something, now's the moment you do it. But before that door opens, we're all going to make a decision. And when we make that decision, you know that you guys all had buy-in, you all had say, you all had an opportunity to give your input. But the moment that door opens, we've made a decision as a group, and now I'm your boss again, and now we're, we're moving forward. And let's get to the work. Decision. Yeah, it's not like you're going to be arguing with the coach on the baseball field. Yeah. <laughs> Could you yeah. imagine that? Right. No, you're going to be riding the pine, right? No question. And, and you're not going to be arguing with the umpire. Maybe glance a look, but you, you look too long, you're going to be ejected out of the game, yeah. right? So it, it, there's a lot that you pull from baseball and into the real life. And, well, you know, and I, I hear and that. I say this. One of my favorite stories is, you know, when we started at the University of Kansas, we were bottom dwellers in the Big 12 Conference. And Coach Price came in and he said, to your point about umpires, he said, hey, guys, we are the University of Kansas. We're playing against the University of Texas. And if there's a if there's a bang-bang play at first base and it goes the other direction and it goes in Texas's favor, first of all, we're not arguing calls. You know why? Because you haven't earned it. The University of Texas has earned that call because – They've won 10 national championships. You guys haven't won anything. You got to earn it. And I took that. And uh, over that four-year period that I was with Coach Price, the relationships that I built with umpires over the years, uh, you know, they the balls that were just off the black that mm-hmm. the University of Texas would get against me when my freshman and sophomore year, the ball on the black now is a ball when I was a junior or senior, just because I had that relationship with those umpires that 
you know, they, they knew I'd respect them. They knew we weren't going to argue calls, those type of things. And so that's important to understand your role and, and, and buy into your role. Well, it's understand your role, buy in your role, respect others. And, you know, what I'm picking up from this is like when you're starting off in something new, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Right. And you're going to get a lot of headwinds. Yep. I mean, especially when you go from high school baseball to collegiate baseball and even into professional baseball, that ball moves a little bit different in every single level. No question. And you always hear with football players how the game moves a little bit faster in the NFL than it did in college. It just moves faster. Right. And so like when you're first getting started into something new, it's going to be a lot of anxiety. You're not going to get things going in your way, but you got to stay persistent and stay no focused and, and, and respect the people around you, even though you might be having a tough day, yeah. <laughs> a tough week. Show respect and love to the people around you and good things will happen. No Maybe question. not immediately, but down the road. Right. And so when we're thinking about the, the, these athletes, I want to go back to the NIL. You know, there's some wealth expect uh, wealth being created at a earlier age, mm-hmm. what, what are some of your wealth expectations of these high net worth individuals, would you say? Well, you know, what's funny is, uh, or not funny, <laughs> is, you know, I've had student athletes in the past ask me um, what a 1099 is, what taxes are, why do I have to pay taxes? Yeah. Um, so these kids are being entered into the real world a lot quicker. They're sped up a lot quicker than what I was. Um, and so, you know, I've, 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 I've I've been asked a question, well, what if I don't pay this in my, you know, my taxes? Well, Mm. orange isn't your favorite color. So, uh, you know, so it's education there, but these kids, some of these kids are making significant amount of money and, you know, some of these guys that are making 200, $300,000 a year, they don't need that type of money to live off of. Right. And so it's trying to educate them and get them around the right people. And I'm not that right person, um, uh, but I am the right person to utilize my network and get them around people like you, Jason, people like uh, Andy Merchant, get them around where they can start having real life conversations about what's tomorrow going to bring. How can I pull away some money here to set it up for tomorrow? Because you know, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know if this kid's going to tear an ACL the next day. That's right. uh, and so are they set up? Are they set up with uh, insurance? Are they set up with a financial planner? Are they set up with a tax accountant? Those type of things. And so we try to surround them with a wealth of network or wealth of knowledge around them um, to help grow their wealth. Absolutely. You know, we do the same thing with our clients. You don't want to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Right. And as a wealth manager, I have to know a lot about a lot of different topics. But when it comes to a, a, a taxes, I'm going to want to bring in an accountant. No question. When it comes to uh, contract law, <laughs> right. like I could read the view of the contract, but I'm going to bring in a lawyer that specializes in contract law, spe- specifically around what's going on with athletes. Right. No That's a little bit different contract law than a real estate contract. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we got to have those arrows in a quiver, those professionals. Uh, be that ecosystem around our clients' financial lives. I think it's so important. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciated your insight, your perspective, your story, and and just more clarity into what is happening within NIL that's beyond the obvious. You have a mass amount of experience, and I can't wait to continue the conversations with you in the future. That's great, Jason. I appreciate your time, and best of luck in this, and appreciate what you guys are doing. It's our pleasure. You're welcome.